You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. It's good to have you. Shank, we made it another week. Made it another week. We're here. We've made it to step 12. Hopefully, uh, the audience has had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think our uh, our idea of keeping things simple and focusing on the simple program of AA and kind of having recovered AA members on that talk about what AA is and isn't has uh has been pretty successful. I know that uh, we've been getting some good feedback from our from our listeners, so we appreciate that. Um, we are going to be recording one more episode before we end season one, so that will probably drop next week. In the meantime, we've got a, a great guest with us today. We've got a lot of experience, long-term member of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Tony, all the way from Andrew, North Carolina. So, Tony, how are you this morning? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Shank and Wayne. Appreciate the invitation. You like that one, do you, Susie? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. oh. Coming in quick. Well, trying to. You guys, you guys are light years ahead of me. So, um, Sobriety date, June the 13th, 1987. Um, a little bit about myself. So I was a uh, an ambitious drinker as a young boy. Loved the taste of beer, drank a lot of beer, then graduated to uh, some other great beverages like wine and liquor and enjoyed all the excitement of drinking as a, as a younger guy in a small town and Everything was going great for a while until alcohol turned on me. And then, like everyone else, come all of the calamities, the the near-death experiences. And I don't mean like a psychic near-death. I mean like flipping your car and, and almost drowning in storm drain experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. Things that, that, as a result of going out and trying to drink successfully, um, almost accidentally taking my own life, uh, not intentionally, of course, but accidentally, just through my own actions of not believing or wanting to believe that I could not drink successfully. And I tried a lot of chemical substances that would allow me to drink successfully only to find that they were um, not solutions, but adding fuel to the fire that that accelerated my coming to, to recovery, you know, um, Coming to recovery for me looked like, you know, hitting a bottom with chemical substances and going to N.A. and then finding a person there that was smart enough to listen to me to know that that old boy needs to be in A.A. if he needs to be anywhere. And um, and then finding my place in Alcoholics Anonymous in a in a very simple way. And, and you know, I appreciate the simple way that we talk about in, in our sponsor network and the way that I've come through recovery in A.A. over the years and appreciating the simple reverence for the big book and the way it's written and the spiritual principles in which they apply to recovery. And, and by doing those things and having had that spiritual awakening, 
you know, as a result of just being willing to be open-minded and listen to what my sponsor told me and listen to old-timers in my home group when I come to them with a, a major problem or issue in my life and they provided sound solutions. And and it wasn't opinions. It wasn't attitudes. It was it was based on what they learned through their experience with the 12 steps or something in the book or the literature that guided them in the right direction that, that allowed them to make through that calamity with success. And, and those were my experiences. You know, I got involved early. Um, we did a lot of coffee making and room cleaning and setting up and ashtrays and all the things that, that I thought were absolutely unnecessary, like reading how it works every time. My God, after the third meeting, I think we all know what it says, you know, um, I was trying to get my sponsor to change that. And he was mm. like, you know, what about the person that comes in tonight that's never heard it before? So there goes your self-centeredness, Tony, right <laughs> off the bat. You know, um, <clears throat> so those are the kind of things that 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 I learned, and and just by what we call getting up, cleaning up, and showing up, um, just by showing up and going to an AA meeting and trying to be open-minded and trying to listen more than I want to talk and try to think about what they're saying more about how I want to respond to what they said, you know, and and beginning to understand the illness of alcoholism and how multifaceted it was and how deep it had its core within me and my inability to see things as they really are, but how as I want them to be. And, and all that transformed by just being willing to become a member um, and get plugged into Alcoholics Anonymous and what yeah. that was for me, you know? Cool. Hey, we appreciate you coming on and, and your experience now f before Shank introduces the topic. Know that uh, I'm not the old timer on the podcast anymore. We've got a new one. And uh, for all the listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track just a little bit, but we've got a lot right. of listeners. We've got a lot of listeners and a lot of folks on our Instagram page that hate on old timers. Mm -hmm. and i somewhat understand that but if you're out there listening realize that not all old timers are sitting in a clubhouse in the corner telling people to put the plug in the jug right there are actually some of us out here doing the deal and helping people and keeping things simple and actually following the steps out of the out of the book so stop hating on all of us we're not all clubhouse joe I've actually like never had that experience with a, I mean, I know that those people exist, but like the old timers that I've been around my entire sobriety have been very active and I just, I don't get it. Well, I know I've called both of you, lucky. especially Tony. There was a point in time for like a year. I probably called Tony every Friday when I left the prison because I was just like <laughs> so angry and he would just <laughs> listen and probably say the same thing every week. And it was very simple. And that's what I needed for sure. Yeah. 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 We appreciate you, Tony. What's our topic, Shank? Our topic today is step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Whoa. Wow. It's a tall order. Awesome. Tony, share a little bit of experience on step 12. Mm. So, you know, I was thinking about this as trying to prepare for this, but not prepare too much like a talk, but just to prepare. 
Um, I think back a lot of times with my first sponsor being sponsored. When you think about step 12, I think all of our first experiences is, is actually being on the receiving end of that. And I just remember how kind he was and how generous he was with his time and how thoughtful he was on his responses. Cause I was so sensitive. I mean, I would just get pissed off in a minute, boy. Um, I wore all my feelings out on my sleeve and they were easily accessible to anything you said. And he knew how to navigate that so that he, he could, he was smart enough to know how to tell me what I needed to hear without pissing me off. And that's a gift. Um, but he was an active guy. He was the one that would get you in the car. He didn't, he didn't like circle things on a meeting directory or pull something up on a meeting app, which we didn't have back then and say, Oh, these are the ones you need to go to. No, no, no. He, he put me in the car and took me to the meetings and introduced me to people and built a network, like a safety net, if you would, around me of people that no matter what meetings I would go to, there would be at least one person in there I knew and that knew him and had a little bit of connection with me. So it was almost like a, a guide, if you would, you know, and, and that's the way I think sponsors are more like a guide, not God, you know, they're, they're, they're great at pointing us in the right direction, but, but they're not, they're not the end all be all. And, and I have to trust and rely on God and build that relationship. But what he did for me was help me to build that and help me to realize that, all that stuff I did in the past that I thought was so dark and negative and blocking me off from God, that that stuff was forgiven and that, that God wanted and needed, you know, I needed and God wanted to have a relationship with me. And if he didn't, I probably wouldn't have been alive today that all them misadventures, one of them would have took me out. Any one of them could have took me out and it didn't. And I was here for a reason. And he helped me to understand that. Now, what he also did right away was, you know, I was nowhere near step 12 the first time that I was sent to talk to someone sitting in a home group. I probably had maybe close to I'm getting I'm getting close, maybe six months because I've worked through some steps. And 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 this new guy walks in to our home group and he's young like me. And there's a big age difference in my home group between when I came in at 25 and the next person, Henry. And then after that, it was like 10 years to the next person. So there were a lot of old people in our home group. Um so stop hating on us old guys. But uh, <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I was sitting there and, and a new guy comes in, his name was Chris. And, and you could tell he was just as confused as I was and had no idea what's going on. And they sent me to go talk to him. And the reason they said they did was that he could relate to me with my six months of sobriety far more than he could in any of these old times. Mm -hmm. And so all I was to tell him was, is that how I stayed sober for those six months. You know, I, 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 I didn't drink no matter what. I got a sponsor. I followed the directions of that sponsor. I got involved in AA, found a home group, joined the home group. And here six months later, I'm halfway through the steps. I'm doing the deal. And here I am talking to you about what I found and, and what works. And the other thing I got to do that I think was important for me and my sobriety, carrying the message was so impactful was is that I had a gentleman at the treatment center, the local treatment center, ATC at the time, he would call me almost weekly to come and pick up patients and take them to me because I was trustworthy. Number one, I had a license. That was amazing. <laughs> Number two, I had a car. Look here, I'm on the upswing. Whoa. You know? and, uh, wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. So he would call me and I would go and I was, I was good at taking them to the meeting and taking them home and not, not stopping anywhere in between. So we would go to the treatment center, load them up, take them to a meeting and take them back. And then a lot of times 
when we got back, the meeting went in. There were picnic tables outside there, and the weather was was nice. There would be a group of us. We would sit out there, and we would talk about our lives and sobriety and recovery and where we hope to be, you know, what we see the success in these old-timers and these people in AA that are, are working the program and reaping the, the benefits of a spiritual experience and how they're practicing these things. How in the world do they look so good and be so successful when our lives are still a train wreck? You know, how does that happen? But immediately all of us would realize, or at least I would, when I left that treatment center that night, sometimes an hour after I got back after dropping them off and the security guard would come out and run everybody inside, I would leave and I could barely remember my ride home because of the experience that I had that was, it was a spiritual experience. I don't know any other way to describe it is, is that I left elated, just like Bill Wilson said, you know, in his story that after going to the hospital, after just depression and anxiety was kicking his butt, he would talk to a new person there and leave amazingly lifted up and transformed. And, and that is absolutely my experience before I ever read that. But the first time I read it, I knew exactly what he was talking about from my own personal experience. You know, most of the time we read something out of the book and then we experience it later. And the, the thing for me is I found that if, if action is what we're doing, and that's what AA is, a, a group of alcoholics in action, is if I simply do the action, I get what comes from that. And so yeah. as my experience with Step 12 grew, um, it become more of a service of love. Because I knew where they came from. I knew how they felt. And I understood that at depth. And it was easy for me to talk with them the way I was taught to. Without offending or pissing them off. But I know what Clubhouse Joe looks like. I heard him at the, at the CC. Uh, we'll just call it that. Uh, a yeah. many a time. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and those are the ones that are probably still sitting there today. With the same attitude. And the same recovery which I don't want any part of. Um, I I want the the Dave Cooks and the Tom Iversters and the Wallace Bryan and all those guys. That's that's the the legends I want to follow. That's the footsteps I want to walk in. I don't know part of Clubhouse Joe. That, so that, would that you would work. you say that um, today, like let's say maybe the past 10 years of your sobriety, that step 12 has changed for you or are there things that you do or don't do today like what have you learned along the way yeah and is it more than sponsorship yeah yes it is it's actually forming a relationship thank you jerry because that's that's kind of what i was thinking was as you know it's it's far more than that and and i think in in our literature it talks about service and and the end result of that service to me is love you know i have come to think of people other than um it's it's hard to put into words for me right now, but to, to articulate the best way I can is, is I have more love in my heart for the people that I'm around. And, and it's not a, it's not a greedy love where you're trying to get something from someone else. Um, it's a genuine love and care and understanding of what that other person's going through and wanting to help bring about a solution to what their problem is. And, and, you know, in the book, it talks about that, finding a relationship with God and that helps solve all of our problems, not just our drinking problem. And, and I think that ties into me and this, the spiritualness of this step is, is love. And what that looks like for me today is, is actually having a, an understanding what's going on in my sponsees lives today 
and being an integral part of their lives, not just waiting for the phone ring when some catastrophe strikes. And then you're trying to rack and solve problems in five or 10 minutes. You haven't talked to somebody in 30 days or more, you know, and you're trying to help them solve a problem like a pitch hitter come in, hit me a home run, Tony. Um, and, and what it looks like today is, is a regular weekly sitting down, reading out of the big book, talking with one another, understanding one another's challenges we have in life, applying the principles of the program as a solution to those. And they're very simple. A lot of times it's just what you're doing that's unsuccessful. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> let's stop that first. And then let's look at how we can change that behavior. What what can we do differently that will bring about the result you want? You know, and I'm paraphrasing that because it's a lot more than that. But but that's kind of what you distill it down to. And what it looks like for me today, Susie, is a commitment. It's honestly a commitment that I have committed myself to their lives and to their recovery. And I'll meet with them every week if they want to meet every week or every week, whatever their schedule is. But I have found that the ideal of sponsorship for me is um, becoming a part of another person's life and recovery in a way that we both benefit from it. Um, my experience that I've had over the years, I've got a lot of experience in doing it wrong. Let's put it like that. I'm full of self-will and I'm going to try it my way every way I can. So so um, what are some of the things that you did? Not to call you out or not to like have you okay. fist up here, but what are some no. of the things that you wouldn't do today that maybe you've done along the way? Oh, my. Um, do take, take an action that I know uh, my sponsor would not approve of, mm -hmm. but I want to do it anyway. So I do. Um <laughs> And uh, like spend more money than I should not balance my budget and not live within my means and, and reap the results of that. Mm -hmm. You know, th those are some of the things that we do. Um, maybe some of the things that we do that um, from a, a more personal thing that people may take, um, may take in something that's non-spiritual. I'll try to keep it clean here. Um, let's say you like to view things on the internet that might be problematic for you and your family members, but yet you find yourself doing it anyway. And your sponsor is telling you, you know, that's a non-spiritual thing. Maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you want to stop doing that. And, and I know early on, you know, that, that became a big problem for a lot of my sponsees. And, and it was uh, the dawn of the internet and a lot of these other things. And people are adjusting that technology. And that brought a whole nother realm of things in that we have to deal with from a, a sponsor standpoint and trying to guide people spiritually. And, and I know myself, you know, you run into things in life that life throws at you that sometimes self-will just takes over and you want to do it anyway. But then, then you feel the pain from it and you're back to your sponsor saying, help me, you know. Well, and let me, let me ask. Let me ask y'all something. The first time, it probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> because I, for several years, probably of my sobriety, just thought that step 12 was you sponsor as many people as possible. And like, in my mind, I was kind of like, okay, I want to make sure I'm sponsoring every single person that asks me. And I want to make sure I share in the meeting that I'm available to sponsor um, it was really this thing just about helping other people and saying I had 25 sponsees 
So what I would like to hear y'all talk a little bit about, I think, is what does it mean to practice these principles in all our affairs? Like what principles, what affairs? Wayne, do you got anything? I do. I, I think that um, the, the, full, the, the whole step, for me, it, it means that the steps have changed me that I have had what's described as a personality change. And I don't mm. think that's, I mean, it, it could be, it sounds mystical and magical, but it, it really just means that my attitude and my outlook on life have changed mm. a little bit. And I'm, I'm not the, the negative victim judgmental person that I used to be still can get that way some, but, in general, I'm not in that, that I'm, I try to take on a, a life of, um, you know, we say it in a, a lot of a life of service, um, a life of love, but what that, I mean, really what that means is that I'm, I'm just trying to, to not control people and not run the show and just, you know, let things, let things happen and not insert my, my nonsense all the time. If there's something I can do to be helpful, I try to do that. Um, I don't, I, I don't think that it means that I got to, you know, sp sp sponsor crap loads of people and, um, because not everybody can. Um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, all I do is Alcoholics Anonymous service. I think it it, it 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 means that I take my place in society and that I'm back in to life and the mainstream of life and that I'm trying to be an example of spiritual principles everywhere that I go. So it would mean, you know, practicing principles. I always thought the principle or always think the principles were the steps. I mean, that's what the it says and how it works. Um, and that just means that I try to try to be honest and try to be kind, try to be helpful. And when I'm not, I clean it up, try to learn from it, move on. Yeah. I, I uh I appreciate the word practice. Because that implies that I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm gonna make mistakes. I own up to them, try to learn and you know, keep practicing. Uh, I'm a guy that if something goes wrong, I want to you know, take my marbles and go home and give, just give up. <laughs> and I think the program is, has taught me to not do that, that, you know, it's okay to make yeah. mistakes. It's okay to not be perfect. And it's okay to not always get along with people and to have conflict. There's, there's, you know, it doesn't, you know, doesn't mean I got to run and hide. So I don't know if that, that answered the question, but, um, that's kind of my experience with it now. Yeah. I think that in, for in, yeah, in AA, I think a lot of people, they always want to just focus on, I got, you know, constantly be sponsor people and sponsor people. And I mean, I've sponsored a couple people. This morning. I saw that green. But, you, you saw that yeah. grin after you made uh -huh. that comment. So we both what? know we both know the reality of that. Uh -huh. so, yeah. Nice, you know. Here. <laughs> you asked Tony what what kind of mistakes he's made. One thing 
one thing that a mistake that I that I'm, I've made. I don't know how to quite describe this, but it was it was thinking that every boy. This is not going to sound right. That everybody recovers the same, and that everybody needs to be sponsored the same. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and I, for years, I would sponsor everybody the same. And I think there are foundational things that people need to do in Alcoholics Anonymous that that they're going to have to do to stay sober and and to to have the, the obsession removed. But um, I don't sponsor everybody the same today. That that right. It, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So people have different different needs, and people respond to stuff differently. Mm-hmm. So, but I've learned that through experience, and exactly even kind of learn what people need and what they don't need a little bit when you if you take on the the, mm-hmm. the responsibility of sponsoring a lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if me, you're not sponsoring, you're trying to sponsor. Of, Go ahead. Tom. Go ahead, Jerry. No, no. Go ahead, Jerry. If you're not sponsoring a lot of people, and hey, that means you're doing things wrong. And the the key is to be willing to to mm-hmm. to be helpful and to pay attention and 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 do what you can where you can. I mean, there's some shrapnel for you, Shank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, so I I have to agree with that. You know, I hear people talking about big numbers, and, and I'm never impressed by that because my first question is, well, how effective can you be? with those numbers you know are you really are you doing that for ego or are you doing it for for love and service you know um am i trying to be competitive uh, oh i sponsor 20 people i sponsor 30 people i'm like well great how many of them are staying sober and how effective are you at sponsoring them if you can do that effectively my hat's off to you man kill it go for it you know um but but my experience has been the opposite that that I'd be just happy with with the ones that I can handle and and have some effectiveness in sponsoring them and see some success in what they're trying to do in their lives than to surely mack up numbers. You know, racking up numbers sounds good, but to me that's more of an egotistical thing. I know some some what I call spiritual giants in AA today that <clears throat> I, I would be hard to put a number on the number of people that I know this man sponsors. But I also know his commitment to that and how smart he is and how effective he can do that. And and I really appreciate what Jerry said. Is it learning your sponsees and trying to tailor their sponsorship to their needs? That That's a gift. That takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. I think my sponsorship in the beginning was more mechanical. Like Jerry kind of implied, is it you're doing the same thing with every sponsee because that's all we know. We go through the steps. We we listen to them. We try to help them through the stuff going on in early sobriety. But but the biggest thing is is we're doing the same thing. Bam 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 bam. Repetitive, and and they get it or they don't. It's kind of the attitude. Well, I gave it to them. They didn't make it. You know. No. Um, did we really take the time to get to know them? Like they said, get to know the person you're trying to help so you can put yourself in their shoes. And respond, if you were in the other side of that conversation, how would you want to be responded to? You know, and, and I know time and time again in, in working with 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 Jerry is, is that I find myself thinking about how he responds and, and watching um, 
the way that my sponsor carries himself, not only in meetings, but in, in just get togethers and things we do after the meeting or something has nothing to do with AA sometimes get togethers that we do. Um, and, and it is, it is what, what Wayne was talking about is, is that being, um, not only being available for people, but, but carrying yourself in a way that's attractive and you naturally draw people to you because it is that attraction rather than promotion is they see that you have a, a sense of well-being about yourself and, and it's, and it's at depth. It's not just shallow. It's not on the surface. And, and that, that you understand that. I don't know. There's this kind of connection with people that carry themselves like that, that it's, it's almost um, intuitive that this person has tapped into something far greater than I have. And, and how do I, get with this person that I can be taught how to tap into that as well. So that I can conduct myself the way that I see them do that. And, and I know with my personality, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to um, emulate what I see some of these spiritual giants do because I'm just not there yet. Um, and I think as we work through the steps and we have that personality change, I, I love the word practice too, Wayne in the sense is that it's ongoing. And, and I can cut myself some slack is I'm not going to get perfect by Tuesday. Um, right. But what I see, what I see is, is developing is, is that there's some progress here. I'm better today than I was last week. And, and the hope is that next week I'm going to be a little better than I was this week. Right. Well, the, the, I've said the it. Main thing, I've said it so effort. many times on this podcast. We have to put forth the effort, you know, that, that. it yeah. doesn't just happen. When I got sober, I just really had in my mind that the way I worked the steps, the way I was sponsored, um, like wasn't the like official AA way because I was incarcerated and I didn't get to sit face to face with my sponsor and have her read the book to me. And I didn't have these experiences of um, being able to like go through, I was sponsoring women the way that the book told me to. And so when I got out of prison, I was just like, okay, now I'm going to do AA, like the real way, like the way that everyone else who didn't have to go to prison does it. And so there was a period of time where like everyone that came into AA, you could not tell me that there was anyone in AA that was non-alcoholic. You could not tell me that, um, like I was just on a mission. I was like, anyone new I see here, I'm going to go up to them, give them a book, tell them, you know, that I'll be their sponsor. I'll take them through the steps. Like, this is how I, I'm going to die if I don't do this. Cause I got to no. get people sober and sponsor them. And yeah, I, I certainly don't think that I was doing anything like inherently wrong. Right. I was just trying to help people. My motivations were good or whatever you want to say, but like, it was really over the top. It was like, like all been every single day, you know, it was a lot. Thank and... you over the top. No, no, <laughs> no. come on. I was now. just like, whoa. <laughs> and so what I really like, you know, in the reading in the book is where it talks about, you know, if, if there are people that think that there's some other form of spiritual approach, like let them do that, you know? Because I think a lot of times in Alcoholics Anonymous, I had it in my mind for years that everyone who walked through the door was an alcoholic and they needed to have 
some kind of spiritual experience in AA only, nothing else can get you sober. Nothing else is going to help because this is what helped me. And after, you know, working with guys like y'all, seeing how other people in Alcoholics Anonymous keep it simple with what the book says, it's like, hey, this is actually not a cult where you come in and we're like, chant the prayers and chant and and do everything uh, the way we do it you know like futile <laughs> um wear the white robe whatever it may be like this is you can you can do it however you need or want to do it so long as you're just like following the outline in the book or not some people stay sober not even ever reading the book yeah that's right yeah but you bring up a good point the instructions are clear Mm-hmm. And I think we've gotten away from this in age, but they're clear that if if a if a person is not ready or they don't want the solution, it says we should encourage them to try their own way or to try something else, and that we don't mm-hmm. have a, a monopoly. And exactly nowadays, it's like we're we try to convince people they're alcoholic, mm-hmm. and then we try to beg them to try the program, and we'll do that sitting there at the literature table in a group, <laughs> and it's just. It's not what the book says. I mean, if, if people aren't ready, we we should be friendly to them and encourage them to try their own thing and let them know, hey, we're here when you're ready. So, Shank, let me ask you a question. Do do we give up on people that are that are not ready? No, like I don't think it's giving up. OK, I always get people telling me that. I'm not as helpful as I could be. That's like putting it very delicately or nicely, I guess, versus what they say. Recently, there was a young lady that showed up to the home group and she was new. She was shaky. She had like two days sober, maybe. And she was there to pick up a chip, which we don't give out, but um, encouraged her to stay. She was only getting sober for her girlfriend or something. And I'm just like, hey, that's great. Whatever. You can go to this other meeting and get your chip. And I gave her a book, you know, like, she's like, well, how much is it? And I'm like, Hey, if you stay sober, just get a book for someone else, you know, which that may be some shrapnel in itself, but maybe a couple of weeks later, she comes back in and hands me the book back and was like, Oh, I bought my own. You know, like she did not want to be helped in that way. And I can tell you five years ago, I would have been like, oh, no, you need to keep this, pass it on. I did it for you because someone did it for me. And Like, I would have gone to this big, great explanation of why I did that. And instead, I was just like, oh, okay, that's great. Whatever. You know, so it is so much of, I think, just um, relaxing in that way. Like, if she's not ready to work the steps, if she's not ready to have a sponsor, if she doesn't want to do any of that. If she is in Alcoholics Anonymous just to save her relationship, that's fine. But like, I'm not going to force you to do the steps. I'm not going to force you to have someone help you. If you want to show up to the meetings, that's great. Personally, I wouldn't be going to meetings if I didn't need to be there. uh, I I mean, I just would not be hanging out in Alcoholics Anonymous if it was not something that I had to do. I love it. I love you guys. Most people in AA. Let's not get carried away. But I just, I wouldn't be there if I didn't really need to be. Yeah. So we don't turn people uh, away, but I'm also, I'm just not going to go into this whole frothy emotional appeal. Frothy emotional like, appeal. That's join it. Us, join us. Do the things. Do the frothy things. Frothy emotional like, appeal. Yeah. That. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I think um I think we might be up on meeting shrapnel. I think we're up on meeting shrapnel. You ready? All right. TD? Well, I'm gonna do my best. What what uh what's our first <laughs> what's... Well, we got some good ones on here today. Again, if I turn my video off, y'all know that I'm pausing. <laughs> <laughs> Pause when agitated or doubtfully waiting uh, for the right thought or action. <laughs> nice, nice. What's our first one, Shank? Meeting shrapnel number one is AA will ruin your drinking. Hmm. Wow. We heard it. I heard it the other day. Um, a, a belly full of booze and a head full of AA. Something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all heard that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think those two are kind of like one in the same, if you will. Yeah. They're synonymous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Tony? Yeah. I'm, you know, I've, I've That's kind of it's it's a thing you hear said, but I don't know how much depth and weight I actually give it. Um, I I know from experience from from going back out and coming back in, I, I don't think that was the driving force. I think the the pain of where I was at um, drove me back. Not not the fact that a head full of AA and a belly full of beer did it. Um, I hear it said, and, and I guess if that's their personal experience, then so be it, but I, I don't think it's synonymous with AA. Yeah, I just think it's something, it's one of those things that, that you know, Wayne and I've talked about before, it gets said by one or two people and it kind of catches on and it sounds cute or people repeat it because they heard someone else repeat it and they got a laugh out of it or something, you know, and kind of takes on a life of its own, but it really has no bearing on AA, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll share this real quick. I got a guy in our home group that comes religiously. He likes to read, but he admits he's still drinking. And mm. he goes home at night and has him a scotch. And, you know, I talked to him after the meeting. I said, you know, it's great you're coming. We appreciate you coming and want to participate. And I said, but, uh, you know, if you could, if you could learn to not drink just one day at a time, I said, you'd be all right, you know? And he said, well, um, I don't know I can do that. I said, well, how about just not drink before you come to the meeting? Can you do that? And he said, I can do that. And I said, well, then you, you're good. Just just come on and eventually, you know. And that You're ruining the fun, Tony. That's the fun I part know, when someone shows up like, drunk. I know, yep. but he's he's such a nice guy, though. I mean, he, <laughs> he wants to want to stop, I guess is what you're saying. He wants to want to stop drinking. But then yeah. there's still too much of him that wants to keep drinking. And that's yeah. what I tell him. The only reason you're still drinking is because you want to drink. And uh, and so A, so so that, a has not ruined his drinking yet. It has not. Okay. That, but doesn't you? But we're also we're also not running him out the door with a witch burn. That's right. You know, we're going to take yeah. him out there and burn him at the stake or nothing. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we're allowing yeah. him to find his place. And and I'm hoping that eventually he'll real. He's already realized that we're not that. We're we're not yeah. we're not witch burners. But he also realizes that he's welcome. And that he can't yeah. keep coming, and we're all encouraging him that at someday, you know, the only thing I can think of is in the book talks about is sooner or later that they'll return. There's so many percent of these people yeah. will either finally get sober, or after some time away they'll come back and return and, and yeah. finally get sober. 
Yeah. So, so this this one's simple to me. If you, I think your drinking ruins your drinking. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't think AA ruins right. your drinking. I mean, nope. if if so, if you if you're not ruined because of your own drinking and your own experience, then you're not going to be ready to accept a solution. So. That's right. That's uh, what that do you think, Shane? I was talking about. I just I don't have experience with that. I did not yeah, know that Alcoholics Anonymous was a thing. Which, still looking back, I I don't know. I've probably seen it on TV or something. But in my family, no one talked about it. And there was a reason for that because some people had been uh, to AA and didn't talk about it. But I didn't <laughs> know anything about it. By the time I got here, I was like, I was done. I was ready. I had some consequences, whatever you want to say. Um, but that just, I didn't even know AA existed until I got here. So, yeah. And you've been sober ever since you got here. I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me nice. too. So I, I was in the same situation. So, so Tony, you want to keep it or scrap it? Scrap it. I'm going to scrap it. Shank. It's out of here. All right. It's out of here. What's the next one? All right, meeting shrapnel number two. If you don't take the first drink, you won't get drunk. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> uh, Tony, what do you think about this one? Oh, this one here is kind of a, uh, it's, it's muddied water for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the book talks about, you know, the only thing that is complete abstinence. Mm. Um, and and we hear right away that it's the first drink that sets things in motion. You know, if I don't take that first drink, it never sets that obsession compulsion into motion. So, ooh, this one's kind of muddy water for me. Um, it has some validity, but it's also kind of the same thing. It's cliche. It's just something people say. Um that sounds cute, um, but underlying is the the depth and weight of it is, is yes. If I don't take that first drink, there's a real good chance it's impossible for me to get drunk. Yeah. Um, but but the thing that takes me back to it is is that secession of drinking is just the beginning. So once we stop drinking, we have to put something else in place, and and that's where the program comes in. So there's so much more to it than just just you know the catchy little saying yeah shank what do you think i'll be honest i did not understand this <laughs> i was just like it, uh okay you know like i thought what? there was some kind of hidden meaning when i would hear people <laughs> say this like if you don't take the first drink you won't get drunk i'm like that just doesn't really make sense to me i didn't get drunk on one drink like i don't know <laughs> Well, hold I on a minute. Same now. Thought. Oh, I had that hold same on. thought, Susie. Who, who's the lightweight that gets drunk on one yeah. drink? <laughs> but Shank, you you listened to Father Martin Chalk Talk, didn't oh he? Talk gosh. about it was the engine and it's not the caboose or something like yes. that. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even still, that. you know. And then there was like a little chart, and it's like, oh, your drinking is like that. Like, yes. oh yeah. But, oh yeah. What? It, it's uh, if you don't take the first drink, you won't get drunk. Well, that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just it's, argue, it's an accurate, it's an accurate statement. It is. 
it, there is no depth to it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, no. it's not really helpful. Well, and that's no. just Problem. like telling someone like, hey, uh, don't drink. How helpful was that? I can yeah. go around telling people not to drink all the time. Right. Not helpful. Don't take Did you ever listen to anybody that told you not to drink? No, I just Either cut them out immediately. Listen to anyone. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of here. stage left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to scrap this one. What about you, Tony? Yeah, I can scrap this one. Shank? Scrapped. It's out of here. All right. Now, the best one uh -oh. last. Uh-oh, uh-oh, here it comes. I can see that grin. No <laughs> oh, here we go. This is a fan get, favorite in AA. Get, what is get it, Get my Shane? thumb on the stop video. <laughs> Meeting shrapnel number three. The time to call your sponsor is before you take a drink, not after. Hmm. Oh, yeah, this was just for me right here. Lay it Both on us. Lay it on Both us, Tony. Both of you have heard my story. So, oh, we took know, it right from one of your how talks. Many times, how many times? Let me ask you both a question. Um, yep. When's the last time you heard that in a meeting? Other than me saying it from the podium when I tell my story. When's the last time <laughs> you heard somebody in a meeting actually say that? Um, Honestly. I have heard it. Yeah. Some kind of iteration of that is, um, I've definitely heard that. One of my closest friends in AA, she has a few years less than I do. She was coming into Alcoholics Anonymous and drinking like every day. And she'd call her sponsor, oh, I drank, whatever. And her sponsor kind of told her that like, hey, call me before you drink. And she was like, well, I don't want to do that because I want to drink. You know, so like I hear her right. say some iteration of that. It's not exactly like this, but she's like, until I was ready, you know, I was just relapsing and calling her after I had drank. So, um, so I've definitely heard it before. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it, um, I, I guess it was more prevalent in, in the mid eighties when, when I came into AA and, and, you know, I don't know why it stuck. But for some reason, it was one of those things that stuck. And it was kind of a stopgap for me because, as you both know, you know, I came home and I was in the, the middle of the most powerful obsession and compulsion to drink. I mean, everything. I, I, I could not overcome my desire to drink. My only thought was to get relief from this, I'm going to have to drink. And after actually making the decision that I, number one, I knew where to go right there in that trailer park I was living in, I could go to this guy's house and I could get something to drink and I could get something to go with it. And it would solve that way that I felt at that moment, what I was experiencing. Um, and at that moment, when that stopgap came as that little saying popped in my head, you know, maybe it was just a call for help. But, but I kept hearing that, that saying, the time to call your sponsors before you drink, not after. And so I called him knowing that he won't home, number one. So my motive was, I'm going to get drunk. It's all your fault because you weren't there and blame my sponsor. For well, and for drunk. anyone listening, that's a landline. There were not cell phones. Yeah, landline. That's not a yeah. cell phone, by the way. <laughs> so, you had to be wall. home Thank to you. answer the phone. Thank you. Thank you. You had to be home to answer yes. the phone in those days. Thank mm -hmm. you so much there, Shank. I appreciate that. <laughs> 
but this guy here was never home and he's actually home that day so this is a god thing for me was that he was not only home but he answered the phone quickly and and just the calming in his voice and the reminder of what i'm trying to do today and the way i want to live my life today and having me stop what i'm doing and go go straight to his house and sit down and take the time to allow me to get through that obsession and compulsion and to leave with the idea that that I don't have to drink today. But then following that, my willingness to do that brings about that third step type spiritual experience that removed the obsession and compulsion to drink that day. And that was the the catalyst, the thing that just transformed my whole way of thinking and feeling and behaving in a relationship to drinking. Was yeah. drinking at that point was not something that I absolutely was going to have to have the next second I was going to explode to being okay with not having it and being okay with this new sense of being that was in my presence that would give me all the power I needed to not have to do that again. It was almost as if I couldn't drink if I wanted to, like the big book talks about. I had one of those kind of experiences where, you know, I don't know if I could have drank that day if I'd have wanted to. Yeah, you know? so, so, thank so God that's similar. Yeah, that's similar to Bill Wilson's experience in the Mayflower Hotel, right? When he, yeah. he, you know, he, the business deal went bad and he's thinking about you know, drinking and going in the bar. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the thought came, well, you know, shoemaker or somebody told him to, call people if he had a problem and so he started calling people and he got help and i think he credits that to god though yeah not a yeah. cliche so just right you know i mean but right. that's similar and, and, to what happened think, to you that morning I, I think that's the same thing i'm crediting it to god but but somehow that little saying was the stopgap and yeah. and you know they they yeah. have i guess if they didn't have any purpose they probably wouldn't be repeated um, yeah. But I don't hear that very much. I, I, I've heard that many, many years. Have I heard that in a meeting? Like you'll hear somebody, if you go to clubhouses, you'll hear, call your sponsor, read the big book, shout it at the end right. of the meeting. Like, well, isn't that brilliant? How about catch them before they walk out the door and go get a cup yeah. of coffee with them and talk to them about that yeah. and what that looks like, what that feels yeah. like, you know, shouting yeah. something at the end of the meeting. <laughs> that sounds good. Make, make, make you feel better, but it ain't helping yeah. anybody. <laughs> right. I think this one's. I think this has got good instruction in it. The the so. the thing the rub that I have with it is if if you believe if you're in the middle of your obsessive drinking you're not going to call somebody before you take a drink. Yeah, I mean it's just and if you believe what the book says that we've lost the power of choice, then this, I guess, depending on where you're at in your stage of drinking or your stage of it, recovery, that's it. you you can't you have apply to realize. This. I wasn't drinking that day already. Yeah. And I hadn't drank for, for a right good time. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so I had some time under my belt, but because of the, um, I, I guess just the, the detoxing of alcohol from my body and the other things that, uh, over time it would come back almost some people call them flashbacks, but uh, over time, these things would just come on you and they would come on you so powerful that I could see why people would succumb to drinking, even though, as the book says, even though you know it's injurious, even though it's going to cause you some problems, right. that you would succumb to the drinking because it was the easier, softer way. It was just to 
just a way to get that sense of ease and comfort would come from taking a few drinks. We all knew that. But on that day, for whatever reason, I think that God tapped me out and said, hey, but not today. You know, I don't know so how sure. he used what he uses, you know, That's right. uses the phrases or whatever, you know. Yeah. You like that one, huh? Hey, Bo, not today. Great times. Not today, Bo. Not today, today, Bo. Not today, Uh -uh. You know, God uh, God had work for you. What else do you account that to? What else do you account something that changes a person's mind and their personality that would always do what he had always done? mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he stops and does a complete reversal and does what's suggested. I never did what was suggested. I always had to try my way first and reluctantly maybe try somebody else's after I proved I couldn't get my way. But here I am, I'm willing, because I'm wanting to drink. I had all the good excuses to drink. I had everything pointing in the right direction. But for some miraculous reason, I chose not to. You can count that to whatever you want to. But for some reason, that saying in my head was sufficient enough to stop me from doing the thing I'd always done and to do something counterintuitive to my personality and pick up the phone and ask for help because I didn't like ask for help. Don't like to ask for help today. Yeah, but I did it well, so, because yeah. I think I wanted to stay sober more than I wanted to drink. I think that's what it steals down to. All right, there's more shrapnel there. So Shank, what, uh, what Tony? Are you gonna? What do you think we should do? Keep it or scrap it? Well, I'm gonna vote for keeping it. Surprise! Okay, that's just just because of my history. You know, I'm the only one that probably says that anymore these days, but I don't preach no, that you, to my sponsees. I don't shout it at meetings. I, I speak from know, the podium as from my experience. This is what we, we want, really. We want, yeah. yeah, you don't, we don't want people always agreeing with stuff. So we, we're glad that you're, yeah. that you're keeping it. We may not keep yeah. it, but we, <laughs> that's fine. What, what I'll cut my video off now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and cut my video off now. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe we should. Pulling Otis and uh, see what other people <laughs> think about it. I love it. Now, Otis, I personally, Otis is the drunk on Andy Griffin, right? Yeah, I personally <laughs> don't. He's also a guest for one of the previous podcasts. Oh, okay. I personally Sorry. don't like it. I've <laughs> never had anybody actually call me before they take a drink. But right. um, I, I appreciate Tony's experience with it. Well, you know, I have had someone call me before taking a drink. Actually, she was... I've had this happen a few times, but one that is like burned into my brain. I was on break at work and she called and I'm like, okay, let me answer for this girl. I know she's been struggling. I was not her sponsor. Um, and I could hear her like getting ice and putting it in a glass. And she's like, yeah, I've got this whole bottle of vodka. I think I'm going to drink blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, well, why are you calling me? Like, if you're wanting me to try to convince you not to, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not right. going to beg you not to drink. If you, I'll meet you at a meeting. I'll, yeah. you can come and meet me while I'm on my lunch break. Like, there are things we can do, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't drink. Did she It's drink? just not going to be helpful. Did she yeah, drink? Yeah, she started drinking while we were on the phone. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, well... Now she has been sober for several years at this point, but you know, she's always like, I can't believe I called you. She's like, everyone else I called was like, no, don't drink, go to a meeting, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I call you and you're just like, I don't know. I can't stop you from drinking um, because she really didn't want to and she'll admit that, so. Okay, so what should we do?
You're going to keep Maybe. it scrap it. Maybe. Uh, we should ask the listeners. Yes! I think we should. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, if you're out there listening, this is the second time we've done this this season. Ooh. Because um, the guest likes it or wants to keep it, and we're kind of on the fence with it. So, we're going to put it out to the listeners. And we're going to have a vote on whether we should keep the time to call your sponsors before you take a drink, not after. So should we keep it or scrap it? We'll send some stuff out on uh, on the gram later about it. Um, but it's... Uh, and if you have call. a replacement for it, send us a replacement. Yep. Yeah, if you got a replacement. We have replaced, what, one or two slogans, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so... Um, Whoa. That's kind of heavy if you put that as a slogan now. Well, we it's just a term. We, it's, yeah, it's more of a saying. Yeah. That <laughs> would be good. It'd be up on every clubhouse. Yeah, that's right. We'll just attribute it to you. Oh, Tony, easy now. Also. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, put TD out. at the bottom TD. of it. Mm-hmm. Easy yeah. now. Easy. <laughs> that would be awesome. TD 1987. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> We'll be talking about you 30 years Sometimes now, 30 quickly, years sometimes slowly. So yeah. email us at freedom <laughs> at alcoholicsalive.com. Yeah, send us an email. Uh, yes, or keep or scrap. Tony, we've uh, we've really enjoyed having you on. You've been been an awesome guest. Thanks for uh, thanks for your experience. Um, if you're out there listening, well, we've gone through all 12 steps. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you've gotten something out of that. And remember, because of the steps, not only have we had a spiritual awakening, we're free. Freedom! Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous. But we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.